G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to what so many are calling the hypocrisy in government policies around vaping and drug use. The state of Queensland is leading the charge, investigating vaping harms, but at the same time they're setting policy directions to decriminalise drug use. And in places like the ACT, even hard drugs like heroin and cocaine are already decriminalised. We're back today with Shane Varco, the CEO at Dalgano Institute. That's one of the 300-plus member organisations of the World Federation Against Drugs. Shane, a special welcome back to 2020. Always good to be here, Neil, and thank you for having me. Shane, why does it seem so obvious that there's something deeply irrational about the way governments deal with drug issues, drug use, drug policy? Yeah, good question. Cognitive dissonance is the uh, correct term I think you'll find, Neil. It, it is, It is, and I'm going to use an ironic pun, breathtaking, to watch what's happening uh, in uh, <laughs> in Queensland. Now, look, to, to frame it a little bit, perhaps a little bit more agnostically, uh the intent behind decriminalising is a police movement and what they're trying to do is they're, they're not for drugs or for you know, making drugs more available, but they're trying to manage the the current codes. Our concern around that, well, the decriminalisation factor for starters, is you don't actually literally have to de, uh, decriminalise a drug to manage it more effectively and less punitively. Our argument is certainly you can't arrest our way out of problems, but... I think it's really important that diversion programs that already exist can be better utilised and the judicial, what we call the judicial educator, the law, is used as a uh, as a proactive coercive tool to bring about change, not a punitive one to punish people. And I think once you start the decriminalisation factor, and then we'll get onto the baby one in a moment, what that messaging, unfortunately the messaging is really clear. And I'll give you an example of that for your listeners, Neil. I was at an event about a month ago, I was asked to speak at a youth event, and uh, there's about 130 young people, high school age. And as I was coming into the into the event, I was sitting in the foyer, and and a, and a 13 year old, sorry, 14 year old boy comes up to me. He said, "Oh, are you speaking about the drug thing?" He said, yeah, "I am." He said, oh, "I heard straight away. I heard that in the ACT, you can have up to a gram of coke, and nothing will happen to you." So the messaging for young people—that's the inadvertent backlash of this cognitive dissonance is that young people pick up on a messaging, it's permission model. Oh, okay, drugs aren't that bad, uh, drug use is not going to be punished, so therefore, and that's that's unfortunately the, the sequence that tends to follow, and that's a common response amongst young people. And so it's not necessarily that there are evil governments at the helm, uh, but there are activists and lobbyists who yeah. are influencing the decision-making, and this has an ongoing consequence for our kids, uh, for the children in our communities. Oh, the ripple effect is huge. And you know, buying back into the, the vaping issue, and, and rightly so, the vaping was set up as a harm reduction vet mechanism to help people exit smoking. 
noble cause. We're all for that. We think it's a great idea. But again, vaping was introduced way too quickly without, with really limited, it wasn't completely, you know, unleashed un, uh, without any scrutiny at all, but it was limited scrutiny on the ongoing impacts of vaping. So now we've got this uh, unleashed, inadvertently unleashed, harm reduction tool that is far from harm reducting. And the argument from some pro-drug activists, and I think one of them is based in Queensland, is saying that prohibition doesn't work. Oh, of course, that statement is so ridiculous in so many levels, and we saw what's happened with tobacco, that we've managed to, in this country particularly, with strong prohibition messaging uh, on all levels of society, managed to bring that back in. But so the idea of vaping as being a tool to help people exit smoking has not become that. It's become another vehicle to help young people enter into substance use via a new mechanism. So not only are they not smoking, uh, they, 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 some of them do take up smoking because they have vaped, but more concerningly is vaping enables them to access nicotine, and that alone is an incredibly dangerous drug for the adolescent brain, but other substances as well, and it's been let off the leash, and that's a disaster, and Queensland have realised that, and they're starting to pull it back, but at the same time they've got this this, this dichotomy happening, and it's, and it's kind of ironic. Uh, but again, that's what happens when you start looking at things in a policy silo rather than best health and well-being practice across the board, which is what governments should be doing. So the government should have been very hard on vaping right at the beginning, Correct. underestimating the dangers that there are there. And, of course, there needs to be some sort of longitudinal study as to mm-hmm. just how serious that all is. But uh, the studies so far say it's very serious and governments are trying to backtrack. They're trying to actually come down on vaping, but the horse has bolted. Is that the way you'd look at it? I think a lot of that's true. I think it's not bolted to the extent that it can't be, you know, reined in with a good horse rider and whip, <laughs> but... Uh, but the, I think the difficulty is that there's different voices in the marketplace. And unfortunately, one of the one of the parties, which I was a bit shocked at, is quite uh, quite for vaping. But then again, they've been influenced by that sector. Uh, from a health and uh, public health perspective, this is a disaster. There's no argument about that at all. And those pro pro vaping activists, you know, they're they're, they're grabbing at straws. The data's in the ANU's come out. The the uh, the NHMRC has come out very clearly. This is really really bad practice. Uh, so, again, having it rain back in that says no easy political solutions, we think that's rubbish. There is an easy political solution. It's just need the political will to do it, and that is to really come down hard on Vaping can only be accessed via pharmacy through doctor's prescriptions and for adults. It cannot be accessed any other way, um, by, certainly not at corner stores, which seems to be happening all over the place. Shane, come back to uh, the hard drugs, uh, decriminalised already in the ACT, and clearly there are governments everywhere around Australia who are at this time, uh, as you say, uh, contemplating the possibilities of how their policies might change to actually decriminalise drugs. Now, we often don't talk about the consequences of drug use Uh, when it comes to the rising crime and violence rates, domestic and family violence. Any thoughts here on what might be missing in deliberations around whether you make this decriminalisation happen? Excellent question, Neil. And one of the concerns that we have is that in the last six to seven years, a lot of data around the the harms of illicit substances specifically uh, in, in the area of violence 
familial, domestic, intimate partner and child uh, and violence and child abuse have disappeared, all but disappeared from the, the research marketplace. Collapsing it into the mental, mental health arena is not, not illegitimate, but unfortunately it becomes then therefore that all drug use is a mental health issue when that's not the case because we know that certainly self, people with mental health onset, early onset mental health issues may self-medicate with substances, which only makes it worse. So it was maybe a mental health uh, predilection that caused the, the engagement with substance use and, and therefore amplified the problem. But a lot of the time, it's not the case. People, for recreational purposes, experimentation, fun, hedonism, flat-out hedonism, take a drug and all of a sudden that affects their mental health. So, but what's happening is that the data around substance use involvement in these violent and or neglect-based scenarios has vanished. And we've done some papers recently around this and trying to fish that out and we've been able to get some. But people even in the marketplace, that are, in the research marketplace that are looking at this are saying, yeah, we've, um, we've been given briefs to talk about neglect and abuse and family violence, but they've deliberately let, um, not framed it in the drug, the drug influence. So that's a real concern. So we've got actors, and it would appear actors, bad actors in the in the research sector, that are culling or, or yeah, you're literally culling out this from the from the reporting space, so that we can't actually call it out. But we know, for example, in southeast Queensland during the, and the ice issue, even up to three or four years ago, the the reporting around uh, this ice's impact on kin care, or that that is the fastest growing industry in Australia, in the, in the in the welfare sector, that's where parents and or other family members have to look after children because their parents, the parents of those children, are, are wrecked and ruined on, on ice. So that's a clear indication where drug use has has done shocking harms to the family and the community. But trying to find that in the new reporting is almost impossible. So drug use collapses into a mental health issue. And we mm. used to talk about a war on drugs uh, but that actually disappears, doesn't it? If you just it hide it, you hide it all in a, a mental health issue. Hey, look, when the criminal justice approach isn't working and mm-hmm. decriminalisation comes in, clearly then we have to turn to education. Now, this is your field and you're a mm-hmm. drugs educator. What can our listeners do to support the good work that you do at Dalgano Institute? Well, for starters, we know that parents, and this is one of the, the, the most important factors, Parents who love their children and who set boundaries on their children and build resiliency into their children are still the single best protective factor. Well, the second best protective factor. Interestingly enough, data coming out of Illinois uh, last year, a big study that came out of Illinois about about 18 months ago, of a huge cohort of young people, they said the single biggest protective factor in preventing young people from engaging with substance use was that drug, the, the idea that drugs were bad. You know, we're talking tens of thousands of young people were, were surveyed, and that was by far the single greatest factor. When kids really believe this, then, of course, they, they, well, they, they second-think it. Now, when their parents are backing that up as well, and there's good real relationships in the community, they've got purpose and meaning and, of course, good values, all those factors are incredible for building resiliency. And when that's what we do as educators. We don't just come in and say drugs are no good, don't do drugs. We talk about all the factors, risk factors and protective factors involved in building um, a, a, a resilient young person that doesn't need drugs. And one of the quotes that Delgano has, Neil, is that we say quite patently and bluntly, 
Resilient communities don't use drugs. Resilient families don't want them. And we find that all the time. But those who are not resilient struggle. And, of course, those options. Now we've got a public, a public offering of saying, well, drugs are kind of everywhere. They're normal, Let's, uh, which is part of the agenda of the pro-drug activist to normalise drug use. Well, it's normal behaviour. Let's just manage the damage. And decriminalisation only speaks into that harm-creating narrative. Well, there are some significant things that we've been discussing today and uh, which we had a whole lot longer to talk. We'll talk again on another day, Shane Varco, but I'd love to point listeners to dalganoinstitute.org.au and uh, you're a charity organisation, a drug educator organisation. People can make a donation there. There's also tremendous resources that you've got. The No Brainer website, nobrainer.org.au and you can subscribe and get a newsletter from there and also you've got lots of great stuff on YouTube as well. If people are looking for Dalgano Institute, Shane Varco is CEO of Dalgano Institute. Shane, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 